Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Tomb Raider, directed by Raw Uthug and released in 2018. I do not know how to say that name. Uthug? I, I would have said, yeah, Roa Uthug. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Lara Croft travels to a mysterious island in search of her long-lost father. Yes, and as we usually do, uh, we'll do a quick little spoiler-free section before we start reviewing in more depth. So, Katie, should people go and see Tomb Raider 2018? I, if this is your kind of movie, then you probably will enjoy it. Otherwise, no, it's not going to break through any kind of boundaries on genre or anything like that. It's definitely not like the the video game movie that's going to break the curse, I don't think, or break the stigma. It's not the worst one, but it's not great either. See, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. Like, it's not the greatest movie ever. I don't think that's obvious, but it is a lot better than it's pretty shitty marketing has indicated. And it like, as far as these kind of movies go, it seems to understand, you know, the world of um, Tomb Raider games and the, the games world that it comes from. But it's also got a really, I think, a fairly good grasp of adventure movies, archaeology movies, and the other Lara Croft movies, which also get a little bit of a nod in these as well. I actually think, yeah, I like, it's not brilliant. I'm not going to, like, be remembering it as one of the movies of the year, but I did have a really good time and I do think it's actually decent. Yeah, I mean, it definitely I, – I, I could feel the influence of that game very heavily. It's it's definitely an adaptation of the Tomb Raider reboot. Mm, the 2013 like it, game. It, that, yeah. is, that is very clear. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into spoilers too much with it. I was I just felt like the script kind of hurt me in some like it would there'd be this really tense scene, you know, and you'd be right on the edge of your seat and then somebody would say something so dumb that I just wanted to bash my head against the seat in front of me. There were times when it was like right in the middle of real tension and I would end up giggling because the line would be so bad, <laughs> like just so bad. And uh, that I yeah, I think I know what line you're thinking. There's one in particular. There's one in particular, but yep. there's a couple of times that I did it and, and it just kind of made me go, Ooh. so like when nobody's talking, I enjoyed it a lot more. Mm. But even then sometimes I'm like, wow, that's a real video gamey shot that doesn't need to be that way. Yeah. Although I kind of liked the video gamey, like they, they were still nodding to it, although there, you really can see like, you know, she builds up certain skills, like mm. this is how you hang across this thing and this is how you um this is how you learn to run through a market and mm. this is how you learn to uh yeah the training the training run across yeah run run across a thing that's collapsing and take a big jump do you want to start talking about the spoilers now yes Get yes i will it was kind of everything that was set up paid off again later like it opens with her um in an mma fight and she reuses the moves from that fight again and again through the movie and at the end when she's got to defeat a bad guy you know she shows that she's learned what happened in the fight what she got, got her beaten in the fight is what she can use to defeat the bad guy i kind of liked how that sort of stuff paid off later and and the, mm. the it was that video game thing of like you sort of see her train for something and then you see her put it into practice and and i i liked the nods to the game like the bit where um the notorious part of the game where you zip line through the trees and 
get impaled about a hundred times on tree branches until you finally work out how to get through it. It has a nod to the game. She makes it through the trees, but then is has been very mildly impaled on a stick. Um, and then she pulls it out like an idiot. Well, anyway. I, what, she's going to leave it there to get infected? It's going to get infected if she takes it out, especially since she's running through and then she goes in mud. I don't know. The fact that she it didn't get infected before she got to her dad to stitch it up is a miracle. And even that pro- could probably cause infection because they had nothing there to disinfect it. I'm sorry. That's what he was doing at the end. That's the whole thing. Oh, the that thing this is going to hurt you. You, you, you. He needs to do that before he does that. He's introducing mm. all the other in, all the other um, bacteria into the wound first. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just assumed he like cleaned the wound there's, a bit. There's a lot of worst aid in this movie. <laughs> Right. There's, there's quite a bit of it where I was like, no, don't do that. Like, and the thing is, it, it's so heavily focused on that survivalist mentality that when she does things that would obviously kill her or not mm. be good for that, I'm like, that's not, that's dumb. Why would you do that? You know, and it's so, it, I don't know. It's just, um, but I was not as into this movie as you were. No, um, I think I've always been more into the Tomb Raider stuff, though. Like you've played the game, but I kind of I, when we reviewed the earlier movies, like the second one of those is terrible, but I really enjoyed the first one. Oh yeah, but I mean, yeah, the other ones were fun and dumb. This one's mm. not kind of dumb fun, but it's also not quite. It still relies too heavily on some dumb tropes from video games to actually mm. pull away from that. Yeah, the, there is like a Fast and Furious level of surviving things that would kill you in this movie. Yeah, there's that and there's other stuff like there are, yeah, it's that definite like this is the next challenge, this is the next puzzle, this is the next boss battle like Mm. thing, you know. And and I know that these things were done in movies before but there's something weirdly specifically video gamey. Oh, and the double exposition from her dad which is so weird. Mm -hmm. It opens with exposition from him about what's happening Mm. and then she goes and finds a bunch of stuff and it goes through that exposition again. Mm. I was... Uh, that felt very tacked on to the beginning to me. <laughs> like from the opening, from the start, I was like, wow, they went back and posted and did this because they decided it wasn't explained well enough, huh? Well, they also had trouble explaining the timeline because it starts off and he's – it's really confusing because he's like – the first recording is from 2009 and you're like, did he go missing in 2009? Because then how old would Alicia Vikander have been in 2000? How old's she meant to be? And he, I spent – an inordinate amount of time working out the maths of the thing they do eventually explain that he's gone away when she's a teenager in around 2011 and okay i'll buy that i she and she's meant to be i think she's meant to be around 22 because the mother has died in 1996 which would make her around 22 if assuming the mother died in childbirth because this is a very tropey series and i'm gonna guess that she did so she's meant to be around 22 but i spent way too long trying to work out their maths. Well, because it's confusing. Because you're like, 2009, that's only eight years ago. Alicia Vikander would definitely have been closer to an adult eight years ago. Yeah, that's, yes. It's It keeps talking about seven years ago and then flashing back to when she's a much younger mm. child. And you're like, how well, old is she supposed to be? Yes. Oh, and, and that opening gave me such Dark Angel vibes. The bike courier stuff. The bike courier stuff gave me such Dark Angel vibes. Yeah, I... Uh, me too. Although th- I, it also kind of bugged me. Like the whole I could be really wealthy but instead I'm going to be a bike courier. Like I get why she doesn't want to declare her dad dead but I feel like that was sort of hand waved away in the other uh, the other movies. I think he might have actually been dead. But 
You no, can, he 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 showed. Uh, doesn't he show up again? Yeah, doesn't I feel John like it's show simil- up. In yeah, one he of does. Them? I feel like it's a similar kind of thing. Or maybe though. he shows up but only in flashbacks. I feel like I don't know. There just was something like a bit tasteless to me about in this day and age having someone who could be wealthy and like could be hand waved away with a bit of a trust fund or something, who's like working in like the worst jobs of late capitalism, like as a bike messenger. Now I know they do it because they want to have her fit on a bike so they can do the fox hunt scene but i don't know there was something just a little bit like icky about that i mean i mean it seems very much like she's doing that yeah in order to not declare her yeah no and and that's that makes sense like also in order to not like it's that expectations thing everybody is expecting her to do a certain thing Mm. and and the one person who she wants to impress is has been missing for so long and she holds resentment towards that and all that sort of stuff and so she like is it's rebellion it's just basic mm. youth rebellion you know and and yet yeah, of course she doesn't want to sign those papers because it's literally tied in with her declaring him dead yeah no i get why she doesn't want to sign those papers i just it, it just make i don't know it just made me feel a bit awkward okay that, like yeah she's working in this job but she takes that kind of a job because she can do it Right. Like it's something that she can do. She doesn't have a college education because she's decided to do Yeah, and she's good at it too. because she's extremely fit and, right. well, and has a bike. I mean, yes. But, I mean, that's also like – but anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. I like getting to see Daniel Wu in movies. Yes. He I, was my favourite bit of Geostorm. It was nice to see him again. He's I, so attractive. As soon as he showed up, I was like, he's really hot. And then yeah. I looked him up later and I went, oh, that's the guy who when we reviewed Geostorm and Warcraft, we went, oh, he's really hot. No, not Warcraft because he's an orc or something in that and we can't see him. Right, but we looked him up at yes, the time. Yeah, we we're did. like, we know this guy. And then we're like, hmm, he's hot. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he is. We've he's- d- so three times now we've gone, hmm, Daniel Wu. <laughs> yes, exactly. And he is. He's hot and he's, he was good in this movie and I liked him and, you know, he. but it's such a – I don't know. The, he could have been used more or better. Mm. Um, I don't. I mean, he doesn't get the same terrible treatment as Hannah John Kamen, but he. Who's she's like a friend at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, she's literally there for a minute and then he's gone well, forever. Okay. What I remember from the book, from the from the video game, is that there's like she brings a uh, um, Lara brings a friend along who's mm. Japanese, who is like going along for her own benefit, mm. and then she is. And, like, I mean, it's possible that they decided, you know, for narrative economy or whatever, but it does mean that there's that she basically has almost no interactions with women other than when she's back in London. Yes. So, yeah. And it also means, oh, and, you know, one of them is the ultimate is in the evil Kristen British Scott woman. Thomas. <laughs> Kristen Scott Thomas turns up, like, literally turns up, and you're like, there's no way she's a good guy. Mm. It's Kristen Scott Thomas. So, um, well, th- this movie is nothing if not, like, Trophy, or it, I mean, it just—it—it's never met a um, a cliche didn't want to lean into like that. Yeah, that was yes. Um, but yeah, she doesn't really interact, and and but she doesn't really interact with anybody a lot. Mm. You know, like she interacts with her dad quite a bit, but I feel like the most interaction she has in the, with in the movie are with Walton Goggins, whose character Awful. is so also turns up and you're like, he's always evil. Well, yeah, but he was supposed to be. I don't know. I don't think he was awful. I think his character was so underwritten mm. that it just was painful to watch him make any decisions because you're like, everything he does is so one note. 
Mm. And and it's not, I don't feel like it's the actor's fault. I felt like the actor was actually trying quite hard. And his first scene with her was quite good. Mm. There's a lot of menace in it and, and mystery in it, right? But once we know about him, that's all there is to know. He has no like layers he has pure evil after that gender he has exactly which he he's kind of nuanced in that first scene because he's like you know i've got kids i want to get back home and that would have been kind of interesting but there is absolutely no nuance to him and in fact it's just set up so that you can then enjoy watching her kill his henchmen it would have been killing him it would have even been more interesting if he had been a true believer or something Mm. anything that would make that interesting like he's and i think he is in the game i don't remember but i remember that ca- the character name but yeah he he's just so underwritten and i feel like walton goggins was really trying there there are certain things that he was doing that i mm. liked and, and dominic west is the same yes. like he's they're both good actors and when they were acting off each other they could do quite well but the the lines were so painful is the thing like it's just so underwritten it's so badly written and it's so the um i don't know which one you were thinking of but the there's a bit when they're at the um doing the unlocking the puzzle thing oh i was thinking about um we're still alive no shit oh that was a really terrible one that's a really terrible no it's um it was um it's worth sacrificing one life to save millions or whatever it was (laughs) that's been said that's been said so many times so much better you know what i mean Mm. Like um, um, the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many. Exactly, yeah. all of that. It's been done <laughs> yeah, to death. He didn't do Wrath of Khan. Do Wrath of Khan. But also, um, death is not an adventure, says Lou Ren mm. as they head. Like and I'm like to the well-organized mind, death, death is but the next great adventure. Exactly. Like, come on. Like that's these lines have been done better <laughs> before. Famously, if you're gonna do it. Like, try and do a different twist on it or something. Mm. Don't just, like, say the essence of what <laughs> other people have said better or quote somebody who said it better. <laughs> like, what? Oh, boy. Just, uh, it's it's really painful. Mm. If that, the, the death is a, um, no, the um, one person's life doesn't matter to save millions or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> and then she flashes back to it and you're like, oh, God, do we have to hear this again? <laughs> like, oh. And there's Boy. another one in that tomb as well with Himiko. Is it is it the one about all myths have a basis in fact? Yes, that. <laughs> but it doesn't. But that's not what they say. They say he says you you could never tell the difference between myth and fact, and they never actually say the more famous thing. And also, Again. they they don't actually show. They actually show her being quite good at being able to t- like. To know about what's fact and what's not fact. No, like, it was the dad. That oh, the dad, right? Yeah. yeah. Got Walter Goggins, Walton Goggins is saying that to the dad. Yeah, right. But um, <laughs> I've seen this movie twice, and that's how well I remember it. I know, right? Oh, like this is what I mean. It's it's so like when it's when nobody's talking and it's just Alicia Vikander's face as she tries to figure out mm, things. The action stuff is amazing. And I had you a know, really great her time. muscles and stuff. <laughs> oh my that's god, that's all good. Yes, and the muscle stuff, like. The, the movie was heavily marketed on, look how swole she got. Oh, my God, look at her muscles. But what I really liked was that the muscles are, like, practical mm. and it shows the movie is actually all about showing her using them. The number of times she, like, has to pull herself up by her <laughs> enormous shoulders. Yeah, in ways that it's so impossible. Yeah, like, real. she does, like, really hard like athletic stuff and they're all kind of it's like this is why she has these muscles so she can do this or she can help on the boat or she can climb Mm. this thing yeah it shows that a lot so that it makes it slightly less implausible when she manages to survive by just holding (laughs) on to a parachute which like 
the best parachutists in the world who are super fit will tell you does not work mm. because it will just f- pull right out of your arms. Mm. Like, it's yeah, no one's that gonna, strong. Nobody is that. And, and, um, dangling one armed off things and yeah. stuff like that. That she, and, yes. and being pulled up as well when she's pulled up on that zip line. Yeah. Yeah. And she's holding onto it with one arm and you're like, no. Uh, d- dangling by things from your arms is really hard. If, if I've learned anything from my personal trainer in the last few weeks, that shit's hard. It's really hard. If you're, even if you're, it's still. Yes. If it's moving upwards, Almost it's impossible. not going to happen. But it's the kind of thing that happens in video games. So I, is, I see yeah. why they've, They've adopted that video game physics. Um, but the other thing is w- with um, Lara Croft especially, it's all first person. Mm. So when that stuff is happening, you don't really think about how impossible it is because you're just seeing it from – You're doing it. You're doing – right. But if you see it, it looks silly. <laughs> like if you if you watch it happen, mm. it looks si- – And there's shots that are Which just – Which is, is probably like a – pearl of wisdom related to video game movie adaptations everywhere yes and that and that's another thing like the you know the shot where she's running through the jungle from above and then it comes down oh my god uh, yeah or, it's 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 a classic like it, you know when you could like fast run between places on the map mm. that's what it is and it's like yep. she's just doing that and yep. like the thing is she's gone through all this crazy stuff to get across the island to get to her dad and she just like runs in a straight line to get back to the main place yep, where she has no to be kind of indication of how she knows where that is but um, that said once she does get back there the bit with the um where she's got the bow and arrow and she's like sneaks into the camp i think that's really well done another sort of basically no dialogue scene but is also very gamey like people are talking behind you can hear sort of people mm-hmm. talking behind her and she's not talking that i think was done really well uh, it was okay I actually got kind of dizzy during that scene because it tries to do, do a single take and it yeah, yeah. doesn't really do it um, and I got a bit dizzy following in and out of the tent and stuff and the quick cuts and things. Like, it'll cut to make it look like one shot when it isn't. And also, um, yeah, the, the fact that there's all these, like, henchmen to just conveniently die to prove the situation is serious and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. At one point, Daniel Wu is like, oh, I have to go back and save her. And all of the other slave labor on the island yeah. goes with him. And I was like, oh, good, more cannon fodder. But they don't even do anything. <laughs> None of them no. doing it. All Daniel Wu does is pull her up from her absolutely impossible, like, survival that we yeah, don't see because it's so impossible. sailing rope. Yeah. Yes. And that- then they just leave. And you're like, they then get on the helicopter and go back to Hong Kong. And there's no mystery about it either. Like, the when they come on the boat, like, the, it's supposed to be that the island is almost impossible to get to. And yet, at the end, they can just fly a helicopter in and take them home. Yes. Like, there's no mystery around the island. There's no co- sort of... I, we've seen movies, right? That happens all the time where there's a mysterious island that's so hard to get to and you can't fly to it and you can't take a boat to it. And, like, they're just going to jet out on a helicopter? Sure. because well, they had the coordinates because they – I mean, they knew he was there the whole time. That's kind right. of the point but of the Right, but it also means, and... like, that there's nothing mysterious or mystical about the island and there's no, kind there's of meant myst- to be. Yeah, that's – that's they definitely come down on the uh, science over mystery Mm. Like there's no super, nothing supernatural here. It was just all natural, in spite of the fact that that zombie virus was very fast acting. Yeah, um, yeah. Like wow. I, it also the- lasted a really long time. Like the, I know the plague can survive like a hundred years, uh, and so there's like people who died of the plague and where they're buried, and you can't go near the cemeteries and stuff for mm. like a hundred years. But I've never heard of anything surviving eight hundred years. Especially not like that fast and that amazing. So that was supernatural, right? But it isn't because it's a virus. So it's science. Right, right. A virus that acts so quickly. Lasts 800 years and kills you in instance. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they also, also, they're 
it turns the guys into zombies, right? Like essentially Basically, zombies. Yes. The and the um Walton Goggins' death as well is so anticlimactic. Like they didn't even do anything with the fact that he was then zombified and could have infected her. Yeah, they, she just kicks she him off. Kicks him ledge. off the thing, but and I'm like, why? What? Why? I, well, because it wasn't about him. The more important bit was the part leading up to that, which was the fight during which she proved that she used the moves that her opponent used on her in that first fight against him, and she proved that she learned something. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't make the the death any less anticlimactic. Like it just doesn't. You know, the, there's nothing special about that, and there's also nothing really special about the Himiko like bit at the end she solves a puzzle but there's not like a it's been such a big thing mm. and it just that also felt really anticlimactic that there wasn't something there that was worth mm. knowing or finding or well, I mean there kind of was but then like in that Himiko had made a choice to take herself away from people because she was infecting them as opposed to having been forced out of the, like the, what the stories passed down to them were about her being forced out of and buried alive and forced Because she was away. so evil. Yeah. Oh, the, that line at the beginning and where I, it's like, oh, a twist of fate stopped her. Her men rose up against her and took her to an island. I'm like, that's not a twist of fate. That's a coup. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Right. And, um, but anyway. And that's, and that's actually like an interesting story about how, you know, women's stories get erased from history or they get rewritten by men. And it is, but that's not – the movie they don't, didn't really explore no, that they did. All. they don't explore it at all. It's just like this interesting side thing that, that is happening. And then, you know, it would have been interesting to sort of feel like – I know it's not going to happen, but to feel like Himiko was then on on, um, on her Lara's side, side yeah. and was giving her hints to help her or something, mm, you know, mm. trying to be helpful. Whereas all but, we get is like she hides in the in one of the uh, suck off guy with the handmaiden. Yeah, but that the, doesn't. There's no. There's no sort of. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I think I mean. that's like, where they're it going. Just, it's so uninspired and so basic and like so it just doesn't have any emotional weight to it or anything like that and it could have had more emotional weight to it i don't know it's just really it's just anticlimactic well i feel like the emotional weight's provided by finding it and losing her father that's yes i know but we all knew that was going to happen so right but for her in the game she's got to go through that in the game (laughs) she's got to go through that though yeah i know i just it doesn't that's her journey which is why by the time she's got to kill walton goggins like her she he is the stuff explode behind her and she's like, well, you know, I've lost my dad. This is – now this doesn't matter. I'm just going to, you know, roundhouse kick and he's gone. But it's – yeah, it just it didn't mm, – it's just anticlimactic to me. Like that, the, mm. the, you know – See, so yeah, I thought it actually did that bit quite well. Like there's, it is quite engaging. I was, got, I was getting a bit – second time through, I was getting a bit bored when they were just heading into the – cave but once they got in there i found that bit oh, really exciting they're heading into the cave as well can i just i mean like the um disappearing floor scene is so much like the scene in indiana jones and the temple mm. of doom when he has to put it that the bug bit and yeah the, i mean it, it's just it's so much like everything else mm. i think is the, the thing shot, and few, so I, to, oh, I was seeing the shots a lot visually it reminded me of um the national treasure movies yeah but even the National Treasure movies, there's a really cool part where the floor is like, it's not that it's it's moving and swinging mm. and they have to figure that out. And that's more original than any puzzle in this movie. But, and also quite gamey as well. Quite it is quite gamey, but it doesn't have that 
progression of levels feeling and like that kind of you have learned this skill and now you will apply it to this next thing feel you know and and the national treasure movies are no great films they're really fun though mm. but that is a really cool idea yeah that swinging platform thing has stuck in my mind and that's from the second movie i think I don't, I don't know, don't but it, you know, there's there's these things that at least it's creative, mm. and this doesn't feel very creative. It doesn't feel very, like, and I think it's mostly let down on that writing side. Mm. It's, it's the lines are so uninspired, and the puzzles are so kind of. Well, we never really work through a puzzle. Yeah, like, that's true. She just she knows. knows how to do those type of puzzles, and so she can solve them. Like, and it's click, click, click. Oh, puzzle is solved. We don't actually have to work through it even that one with the floor like it's just lots of yelling and she you know talks to herself briefly about the oh the color of life color but of if life you don't stuff but like there isn't really like a puzzle solving thing like there's no. no speak friend and enter moment and there's also the cultural stuff is shonky as hell like she's a tomb raider which is a really bad thing to be and these mm. like white people just barging into this Japanese island, blowing shit up. Yes. And, and like, and taking cultural treasures from that are not theirs. And the movie makes it Which really, is, really... This stuff's they, always been about that, but, yeah. Yeah, the movie goes way out of its way to make her a good guy in this Hand wave scenario. That, yeah. Yes. And, yeah, there's a lot of problematic things about that and about what it borrows from, including Indiana Jones. But the Indiana Jones movies are still great and fun. Mm. <laughs> Whereas, like, you know, and, and all of that stuff is tense and all of that stuff is original mm. and this just doesn't have that either yeah so it doesn't yeah i mean there's there's definitely moments that i was like tense and interested in mm. it but i always felt like it just was undercut right at the end of them by a bad line or by something impossible happening mm. or something like that rather than her being great mm. you know it, it's just so impossible that you're like, well, that's now it's silly. Yeah, and there are more than was more than one occasion where you're like, she would not survive that. Yeah, well, all the time. Yeah, I mean the trees and then jumping gets, off the boat and like there's a whole bunch of stuff. Jumping off the boat. Yeah, I mean even it, the bike ride is impossible. Even if she did survive it, she'd have so many broken bones. Yeah, so many broken bones. So many terrible injuries. And also, she got in. She got arrested. For having an accident with a police bike, not taken to hospital or mm. like helped by anybody. She broke the car's windscreen and just got arrested and yeah, and was just like sitting in the police station waiting to be picked up. And it's Lara Croft as well. Like, even if, you know, you think the police are super corrupt, they're going to be less corrupt when they figure out that she's rich. So, like, well, I think that's the, kind of the point is that she did, there's no even no real consequence for it. She just, but she go, didn't do anything. Like, she, she, that somebody opened the door into her. Right, and yeah. she was going around that, so it's not even really right, her didn't, fault. Yeah, that it well, happened. I mean, it, but it was she didn't give way at the end of the road. Yes, I yeah, I so, know. But like, but, there, but, it is her fault, and they that's why she went to the police station. But it also like because they would have figured out who she was, she got off without any major consequences. I don't know. I mean, I think that if somebody on a bike went tumbling over a car like that, the first thing that most people would do is try to help them medically. <laughs> Yes, that would be a I situation. Assume so. I would which, assume so. Because, because the movie made it seem very much like the first thing that she did was get in trouble with the cops. Well, yeah, and it, well, because it was implied that the cops were already chasing, they didn't want these guys, thought these guys on bikes were doing, being particularly dangerous and were already chasing them. You hear the sirens from quite a bit earlier, like from mm. the bit where she 
gets on the when she puts the bike up on the back of a truck. Oh. From that point, you start to hear the sirens and then they scatter. I don't remember that part at all. Yeah. I was just like, why would you be so mean to somebody who had an accident? I don't know. I just always mm. feel like, yeah. The movie tries so hard to root itself in realism that the flights of fancy are it's, like, it's more obvious. Yeah. It r- makes right. it. Because yeah. if you're watching the original Tomb Raiders movies, you're like, these movies are really silly. This is utter she- fantasy. This is just yeah. like watching Fast and Furious or right. anything that The Rock is in. It's like, why is she doing this? Oh, because it looks cool. Not for yeah. any particular, like, there's no reason grounded in, in reality. Yeah. And I think that's probably why it spoke to me a little bit is because I kind of bought into that the, this woman is The Rock and therefore does, the laws of physics don't apply to her and she can do magic things. That said, I couldn't entirely switch my brain off for that. But that's if you're going to do th- if you're going to do that, you do that. You don't half-ass the mm. realism of it. Well, in trying to walk that line, they don't get it. Like they, they just don't get it right. Yeah, that's it exactly. Because then you're thinking too much about oh, how can she survive this? Mm. Rather than oh, it's a cool video game. Yeah, yeah. Which you've got to kind of lean into the ridiculousness there. Yeah. So. <laughs> just have and to make is, a decision about what you're going to yeah, do. And it is implausibly ridiculous in a lot of places. Yeah. And then I do think Alicia Vikander really was working hard and did a really good job. Mm, she was. She, if you put everything else aside, she's really great. Mm. She's working really hard. She looks great. She's Her accent is completely wrong for this role. Um, like, it's so wrong and it's so unlike her dad's. But mm. But anyway, she worked really hard on it and that was great. I actually thought that Dominic West and, and um, Alicia Vikander were nice together. Mm, they were. Um, there was a kind of a – there was something touching about their relationship that was mm. nice. Yeah, um, no, they were really good together actually because uh, at first I was like, is he old enough to be her dad? How old's this act? And, and then I kind of just bought it. I didn't matter well, after a bit. that doesn't bother me if they're playing the dad in flashbacks yeah, as well as yeah, the present because yeah. you can't get an actor that's going to be the same no, age. No, so you get someone who's can play – Either end of a spectrum of yes. ages, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, and so once I once I was past that, I was fine with it. Yeah, that never really bothers me as long as they're also in flashbacks. Mm. I'm like, well, you've got to pick an age. To yeah, kind so of- she's she's supposed to, so she must be supposed to be 21 in the movie, and then they've got a little actresses playing her, a younger actresses playing her at seven and 14 in the credits. So yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Like he's got to he's got to play a span of 14 years of ages. Right, exactly. So that's and she doesn't. Anytime they do that sort of thing in movies, I'm like, well, they picked an age to go with. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it was fine. Um, and and he's good. Mm, he's, he's a good really actor, good. and they need good actors because the script is so terrible that the actors are really just and selling he, it yeah, on. Yeah, and he's really selling it. Yes, because it's so it's so cliche written the the dialogue mm. that you'll be really buying into a connection between two characters, and they'll say something, and you're like, oh, this is. You didn't need to talk, good. sweetie. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it's it happens a lot with like, also with Loren and and oh. and also what happens to Loren? She goes back to England, and they just like I guess he's, he's just gone. back in Hong Kong. I know, but we don't get to see. I mean, There's I no kind of co- hoped he would be a love interest. It's always nice mm. to see an Asian love interest, uh, an Asian yeah. male love interest. But also, like, we don't get any closure on that. No, same as we don't get any closure on the Hannah John Cayman stuff either. It's just like well, she's not a character. No. That's that's she's the thing. just a friend. Yeah, and she gets nothing. You could have easily given her a sidekick, and anyway, but there's there is nothing there. Like it just he, you know, he leads the prisoners with jobs onto the plane, and they all fly home. Oh god, when they shoot that prisoner as well, and I was like, oh man, oh, this scene 
in every movie about with any kind of slave yeah. labor that's ever happened. Oh, oh look, know. he died to prove the situation. Oh, was look, serious. the overseers are terrible. It's just like good grief. Yeah, the overseers. Are, yeah, the overseers are crazy and terrible and uh. will just shoot people at random, even though they have a very limited work base mm. like it's not like they're getting more people they're, all the they're time they're relying on people crazy enough to travel to that island yes and but also yeah exactly and, and get like, shipwrecked yes and and you know over seven years like they've only managed to get this many people you don't want to be killing some of them no you have a lot of work to do also <laughs> they managed to set up these massive operations in very short amount of time where it's like how did they get all of this stuff put together that, so quickly with such a limited range of what that reminded me of a film crew actually i was like mm. this looks like because i think they shot in south africa or somewhere this looks like the tomb raider crew getting to south africa and then just like building this little village that they do which is how film sets work that's but what they, it made me think of. They take some time to do it and also have all of the skills already in place. But that's that's what I mean. Like you, you're supposed to think that these people are just like experts who can fly in and build a whole, you know, yeah. base for in like a day. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, okay. And then they're just shooting off people when they're inconvenient in some way. <laughs> like if, yeah. if they shoot off everybody who gets sick, all of their slave labor would already be dead. Mm. And Daniel Wu was injured. How did he, they keep him alive? Also, he... He got shot and pun like punched in the face, but like, yeah. Punched in the face. I mean, half of them would have died of concussions the way that they are uh, knocked out and. Yeah. And his, his bullet wound that never resurfaces. Well, he's got his arm in a sling the whole time. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. That's all he gets. But and her gaping wound in her side that only like it's only a problem with. for a few minutes so that her dad can stitch it up. And and on, but then it's a problem only when the plot needs her to be incapacitated in some yeah. way for a moment or two. And then she's like, Oh no, I'm over the giant gaping wound in my side. It's cool, I'm good. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um It doesn't even I mean, yeah, it doesn't look great. It's shot in a very early two thousands sort of way. Which is why I probably I was kept thinking of the earlier movies. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, they did this in the – this from the second one or they did, had a shot like that in the first one. Yeah. I mean, I almost – yeah. I don't know. And then the, oh, the bit with the guns at the end is not a good time for that kind of messaging, really. It just doesn't work. Mm. And with Nick Frost. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nick Frost playing the Simon Pegg role from Force Awakens. Yes, he is essentially, isn't he? Mm. Without the makeup. And but they had to – I mean, you've got to do the braid and the guns. Like, you almost have to do it. And they kind of had just had to put it in there. Yeah. i just not sure about the, oh, I want guns kind of message. I, I, I always thought that was the kind of the fun part of Lara Croft. I know that guns are bad, objectively. But I also, that was part of her, the coolness of her is that she had guns. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just think it's the timing of it is bad. Mm-hmm given the gun control debates that are raging on and things like mm. that, um, the timing of that particular yeah, I, thing also, is bad. I, yeah, I know. I, she's also British, which just doesn't have a culture of, you know, loving guns the same yeah. way. So, yeah, that one wasn't such a, a thing for me. Like, the fact that she has two guns is kind of a novelty because she is British and all the people behind this movie are European as well. It's like the director's Norwegian and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't – it might just not have been, like, something that they – well, it also wouldn't through. have been something that they thought through then because that's only come up recently. Mm. Like, oh, it, I mean, it's always been there, but like the, specifically the, yeah. the um, Parkland shooting and yeah. all of that stuff. Has, that's not the movie's fault. Yeah, I no, just I, just thinking, did, well, I just didn't even think about it, um, to oh, be okay, honest. Because it's been so much like on my radar recently that I was like, wow, that's bad timing. Yeah, that has been on my radar. Just it 
I didn't connect the two. Yeah, that's um, fair. But then I connected the one about late capitalism and delivery drivers being treated yes. badly, and a rich girl who could didn't doesn't have to do that kind of work taking a job off someone who could who does need to do that kind of work. So I was like, you know, yeah. So we we both kind of got different bits, brought different baggage to it. I think. Yeah, I don't know. The taking the job off people thing is always odd to me. But yeah, well, I, it's a bit problematic. The fact that I thought that is problematic. Like I I should probably examine that. But at the same time, I'm also kind of obviously yeah. Your brain was with like, hmm, is it really the right time to be having this many guns in a movie? Well, no, for the hero to, to be, be yeah getting like guns at getting the end turned on by the idea of having cool guns. Yeah, like it's not that she has them. That I mean. If I, I am firmly, deeply a proponent of the idea that if somebody is trying to kill you, you should absolutely be allowed to kill them. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not an issue for me. But it's, and it's the fact that she goes, gets interested in the guns, goes back, and then goes, ooh, I like this one, I'll take two, is very much romanticizing those guns. Mm, yeah. Um, it's, it's Yeah, yeah. And they really only do it to necessary. call back to the, first, the original game, the, yeah. not even the reboot game, which doesn't really have a lot of. No, and it's much like the, the film. She's and part of the honestly part of the appeal of it is that she has to solve problems without them at all, almost entirely without guns. Yeah, and she's got the leather and the braid and everything. It's, mm. it's a callback to that. Yeah, so that's um, yeah. And I I know why they did it, and I know why they didn't. I mean, I it now I understand all of that. It just yeah made me go because that's the last thing that mm. happens. That's the end of the movie, and it's not really like she doesn't ever have this hard-on for guns in the rest of the movie. No, no. Well, not just that. I, I think it's actually better for her not having guns. Like, you actually, have, she actually has to get up close and personal and kill pe- when she kills people. She kills people a couple of times and it's a much – like, killing someone with your bare hands is a much more intimate look at the violence of it, Like especially when she yeah. kills that guy in the mud. Yeah, that was great. Like, no I talking, feel like fantastic. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it was important that she – not not only that – she wasn't having a hard-on for guns, that she deliberately didn't have guns. Yes, exactly. And well, that's one of the things about the original Tomb Raider that, I mean, the game mm. of Tomb Raider, the reboot, <laughs> that works so well mm. is is that you have to rely on not guns no. and that she does these things without guns. And, and her physical prowess is like such an important part of the movie, the mm. bike riding, the MMA fighting, the running, the shooting arrow, like all that stuff is supposed to be such a, a important part of her and then like guns are a lazy Way to so you commit violence. About the economic inequalities and all that stuff. I had a bigger problem when she's just shoving waitresses around, running through through restaurants. restaurants. Oh, I had a problem with that too. Don't worry. Like that bothers me. A I lot was like, more, you was like, work in this environment and you're just running through their kitchen, and you know what that's like. You know how busy and crowded kitchens are, and dangerous they can be. Yeah, but yeah. You know, getting her bag back's more important. Yeah. Oh, but and then the guys. Just the idea that those three guys come after her to try and kill her because they she got her bag, bag back. back. I know. And you're like, these guys? Street thugs aren't like that. Like, these, the guys who try and steal your bag, if they don't get your bag, they move on to the next mark. Yes, exactly. They're like, not going. This is really if, weird. Especially against somebody who's proven herself to be stronger than them. Yeah. They're not going to go, oh, okay, now I'm going to go chasing after yeah. her with a knife. They're not heroes. They're not going to keep running. Oh, they could, there's plenty of other there's targets. There's a terrible line that he says as well. And they do. Oh, I'll cut oh, out your tongue. Okay. <laughs> this is another. Oh, yes. That's so <laughs> racist. But there's another thing that this movie does over and over and over again, which is just as the 
bad guy's about to kill her properly, he'll say something menacing and hover around her <laughs> to leave enough time for her to be saved by whatever ex machina is about to appear. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, it's so, but it's so the opposite of what it's doing the rest of the time. Mm. So it stands out even more than she's it does. barely in- surviving and then like, Walton Goggins is hovering with the pickaxe. Just, yeah, just, uh, oh, I'm going to kill you, but not until your dad blows up the thing. I just got to wait for him to do yeah, that. Yeah. First. Oh, and like with, um, with Daniel Wu as well, like, oh yeah, we've shot all these other guys, of course, but we're not going to shoot you. That's You're- what I said before. Yeah. Like it, the fact that they don't then kill him. Yeah. Like I, I don't get killing the guy who, for coughing. So much as like, and yeah, then they, they don't kill, kill a guy, the guy for, who rebelled. They kill a guy for coughing. They just shoot at people who run away. But the leader of the rebellion are like a light shot to the arm that doesn't really affect him all that much. But then they don't. They the fact that they don't kill him when they know that he's likely to rebel against yeah. them or torture him or do anything. Like the fact that she went back there and he was just back hanging out with them. And I was like, what? <laughs> I figured he would at least be being tortured for information or something. I uh, like. They just let him keep going? Yeah. What? Uh, uh. Anyway, it's it's too much stuff for convenience. It's it's too video gamey in the, all those ways. Yeah. But Alicia Vikander's great. Mm-hmm. Daniel okay. Wu is hot. And Dominic. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think pretty much everybody in the cast kind of was really giving it a shot. Mm. Just the, the, if only the screenwriters had really worked out. And they're both women, I think. One, at least one of them was a woman. I think for the there was one like the story by yeah. was a woman and a man, and then the screenplay by was two women. So the story by no, but so Geneva Robertson Dwarit, which is a she sounds like she could come from a Lara Croft background with a name <laughs> like that. She wrote she's a story by credit and a screenplay screenplay yeah. credit, but her story by credit is with someone called Evan Doherty, mm. and her screenplay co writer is Alistair Siddons. Right, so, so that's they both sound is- male. So yeah. yeah, no, like she's so I, was, like I don't I have never heard of any of these no. people. Like these are not writers. I am uh, the names anyway familiar me. with. Like whereas the game, the game was written by um, Rihanna Pratchett, who is like a well-known comics and game writer. Okay, um, and has taken over um, Discworld from her father. <laughs> oh, T- Terry Pratchett. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah. I got there. Um, whereas like, um, yeah. Oh right, she's one of the writers of um, Captain Marvel. Mm. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! That she, but this was like her first screenplay, so that's yeah. Interesting. Well, interesting. That's not a good sign. Yeah, because this is so poorly written. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The story by a guy it, he, he, best known for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles twenty fourteen, <laughs> Huntsman Winter's War, wow. Divergent. Like this is not a um, not a good writer. Not a uh, yeah, illustrious career. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's definitely the writing that it's in the worst, Ooh, boy. the worst part. The directing was like kind of all over the place to me. Mm. Yeah, um, I was fine, but I mean, this guy he's made um, he's a Norwegian guy who made the Wave, which I remember hearing about like a few years back as a bit of an arty hit, but he really hasn't done much else other than TV, other than that. So uh, he's been handed this, you know, hundred million dollar blockbuster. They, I don't. It just doesn't seem like they care about anything except for putting a. Oh, really? I think a, that a, what a they, famous woman. Yeah, woman it was elite. the probably the acting, the casting that was the, got the most attention. Uh, that was another thing. The music was all Battle of Helm's Deep. The whole movie, <laughs> the whole score was the Battle of Helm's Deep score. I swear to God, except for like the bits like, in London, which were like 
London hip hop type. Oh yeah, that stuff. That stuff. No, um, the Battle of Helm's Deep or um, the um, Balrog. <laughs> like it just sounded every single Lucy time there was action. shots as well. Yeah. Like every it, single time yeah. there was action, I was like, "This, I know this music." Yeah, like it sounded so much. Well, let's get like through that. this bit of the Minds of Moria. Yeah, yes, exactly. But also, it's all of it. Like mm. the Lord of the Rings score by Howard Shaw has all these different notes, and it's so beautifully written, and it's you know, mm. it's all the different elements of. Yeah, this is just all Minds of Moria. <laughs> and and Battle of Helm's Deep and like that's mm. that's all the like full on loud <laughs> stuff. Yeah, all the full on loud stuff, but also like it's just bang 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 the whole time. Yeah, no variation, <laughs> no subtlety. But yeah. yeah, all right. Um, I think I've we've devoted more than enough time to this movie. So what are you giving it? Um, two and a half stars. Yeah, I'm going for three, which. <laughs> not a world of difference in our ratings, but I kind of liked it and you kind of didn't. So that's fair enough, I guess. Yeah. I do feel like that Alicia Vikander deserves the credit mm. for trying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's got some good stuff in it. And it certainly I was surprised, like pleasantly surprised, um, as opposed to just I was kind of dreading watching this, to be honest. So I guess there was that element to me. I just forgot that we were even going to until this morning. So <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. We'll just watch this movie. Oh. I don't know. I, I was, was dreading, like, ugh, we've got all these bad movies until the good ones come out. And so I was like, ugh, Tomb Raider. Yeah. And we then, have- so therefore I kind of, I think probably that that sort of the fact that I went in with really low expectations probably saved it a bit for me. Well, the f- thing is I've seen a lot of people defending it. Yeah, I'd probably be willing to defend it as well. Not me. I'm not going to defend this. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Um Apart from yes, there's no male gaze in it. That's great. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be a vocal de- vocal defender of not having male gaze in movies with female leads. Yes. I am very and with a I assume male director. He yes, he has a male photo next to his IMDb page. So I'm guessing yes. yes. So good job, male director, on having no male gaze in your movie. Five stars for that. But only two and a half for the movie. Yeah. (laughs) And three from me. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, uh, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.